Welcome to Under the Lens. Come and enjoy an extraordinary, raw, and unfiltered podcast that delivers debate, discussions, and interviews about film, pop culture, and everything in between. Here is your host, film critic and journalist, Byron Lafayette. Greetings all and welcome to the program. Today we're going to be discussing a fascinating topic, mainly Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy. We'll be speaking about both the completed edition being sold right now in stores and the hypothetical trilogy that he charted out five years ago. And finally, we'll discuss what would change if Zack Snyder returned after the Warner Media Discovery merger to finish his Justice League story. For this lively discussion, I have a very special guest with me today, Ryan Wall, host of The Raw Quiz Show. Thanks for coming on the program, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Byron. I'm looking forward to it. This is a, a topic that is quite dear to me. Yeah, same same here. We've we've had a we've had some interesting conversations before around the idea of Zack Snyder and his his universe that he created within DC. So, kind of to to get us started here, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Justice League trilogy that's being sold right now. Because I noticed like a lot of a lot of fans noticed, you know, when they announced. Snyder Cut uh, going to be coming on 4K and Blu-ray, that they then suddenly saw also that they had packaged uh, Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman, and Zack Snyder's Justice League in one eight-disc package, and they called it uh, the Justice League Trilogy. And I know there was a lot of discussion about that and stuff, and some people liked the idea, some people didn't. Um, how overall do you feel about it? Yeah, um, I think there's a bit of nuance as 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 usually goes into these things that for me personally like i view it i viewed it as a trilogy from the get-go um kind of in the way that like the mcu has trilogies within a larger continuity um and i always viewed it that way um obviously warner bros has different feelings on that matter because you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League is not the canon thing to the DCEU. It's canon to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Uh. But but yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, if you were to just watch those three movies, I don't know that you would have the best understanding of what's going on. Um, like, Diana is introduced in Batman v Superman, but is expanded on in Wonder Woman. And as a result, like Zack Snyder's Justice League and the theatrical cut of Justice League don't do a lot to move Diana as a character because that's already happened, right? So, you know, it does work as a trilogy in the sense that if you're viewing this as Superman's story, primarily and i do view it as <laughs> superman story primarily it is a trilogy to me you know it, you do have a very clear birth death and resurrection three part epic going on with this with this trilogy so no, i yeah. would agree with you yeah i i almost feel like it would have been almost maybe a little bit more appropriate to maybe have titled it the Man of Steel trilogy almost feels a little bit more. Um, Cause like you said, you know, obviously Man of Steel is solidly 
you know, Superman story, Batman v Superman is it's still, you know, like even though Batman is there, I feel like it is mostly Superman's story of what he's going through and, you know, kind of, you know, Batman, his, you know, coming up against him and such. And then, of course, even though Superman is only in maybe <laughs> 40, 40 minutes of Justice League, maybe um, if that, you know, yeah, he still is very much of a, of a presence over everything. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's interesting. He has diminishing screen time across the trilogy <laughs> and yet uh, inflated importance as it goes on. <laughs> you know? so. No, no, that's absolutely that's a perfect way way of saying it, because, yeah, he is the most important character in justice league even though he's barely in it <laughs> everything that happens in justice league is a response to what happened to superman and batman v superman everything that happens in batman v superman is a response to superman and man of steel <laughs> so like no. the whole the whole thing is focused on superman you know and that that's sort of how i view it it is more a Superman trilogy, I think, than a Justice League trilogy. Like, you know, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman get plenty of time and development across this whole thing. Wonder Woman less so than, than the other two of the Trinity. Because uh, she has her own film. And then Aquaman, you can tell that Snyder, and even in Whedon's version... They were counting on the fact that James Wan's Aquaman was around the corner. Mm-hmm. And the only ones they put, and by they I mean Zack Snyder in this case, <laughs> put significant <laughs> emphasis on in Justice League to make sure that you were invested in them independent of another film is Flash and Cyborg. Definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have the benefit of being like, oh, well, their film's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So... You, you had to buy into them immediately so that uh, Snyder really laid the groundwork for those characters in Justice League um, that gets butchered in the theatrical cut for Cyborg especially. Uh, but uh, no, that's very, that's very true. Cause when I, when I saw the, the, the Snyder cut, you know, I, I was amazed at how much extra content there was for Flash and Cyborg. Um, and, you know, I, I expected it, obviously, with Cyborg, just because when you saw the trailer, you saw how much was cut of his story. Um, but like with Flash, I was very surprised, um, you know, because I was always kind of expecting him to be a bit more of a peripheral, you know, character. But I was I was I was pleasantly surprised with how much extra he had um, in there. And I think uh, I agree with you that that they had to do that because it wasn't a given <laughs> uh, how soon his film was going to be coming out. Right. And the, the funny thing is, too, like even in the theatrical cut, Flash is not given quite the full shaft. Like I, I, I firmly believe the best stuff for the Flash was left on the cutting room floor, which is bewildering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but compared to Cyborg, like in the theatrical cut, Flash is actually still a pretty solid character. You know, mm-hmm. Cyborg is just gutted and excised from the theatrical cut like he's there and that's it mm-hmm. yeah like i mean it, it's really sad when you look at like the character of cyborg in the theatrical that you could literally cut him completely out of that and really the story would still basically function i mean there'd be some other parts but you know most of it would not 
it would be perfectly fine you know um you know we don't have any of that sequence of him inside the mother boxes you know which was vital you know to finding out how how they were defeated um yeah and i know a lot of people have said this but it bears repeating that scene though like snyder has said that cyborg was the heartbeat of his film and and you definitely feel that watching Zack snyder's justice league but man that line that i i'm not broken and i'm not alone it's different Mm -hmm. knowing what happened to snyder Mm -hmm. you know during the filming of this like that is incredibly heartbreaking and at the same time empowering Mm -hmm. it's just like ah i cannot believe this was left out (laughs) it's so so true i felt the exact same way it was such a such a powerful line and and like you said it just hit hit home so much more of, of seeing what actually happened, you know, that of, of how it was so beyond just of, you know, taking editing control away that it was so much more than that, you know? And so I a hundred percent, hundred percent agree that that whole sequence sequence within the boxes was just incredible. I, I loved that. It was one of my favorite scenes in the, in the film itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. So d- definitely I, I agree with you. I think, I think it, it is more of a, of a Superman trilogy than it is a justice league trilogy. Um, but at the same time, I kind of understand marketing wise why they wanted to market it as the Justice League trilogy. Um, you know, that it sells a little bit better. It looks a little bit better, um, you know, and, and let's face it, you know, they uh, Warner Brothers is always trying to play catch up to Marvel. And, you know, <laughs> and they're they're looking at like the full the full Avengers quadrilogy, you know, and stuff. And they want something comparable to be able to put out there, even if they they hated every step of the uh, of the way to get there. <laughs> Sure, sure. And and to be fair, like when you're watching Zack Snyder's Justice League, even though, you know, I don't want to go back on anything we said, but Superman is is barely in that film, you know, and you don't want people walking away with the impression that he's going to be the main screen time factor for all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, like it it makes sense to market it as a justice league Mm -hmm. trilogy, even though I think thematically it is a a Superman trilogy that just happens to have the other guys involved. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's, that's very true. Like, you know, almost in, in um, not to go down too big of a rabbit, a rabbit trail, but I feel almost that way about like in game almost, you know, that in, in game is very much a Tony Stark story in a lot of ways yeah it's um, iron man 4 with everyone else mm-hmm, exactly yeah because so much of that film completely hinges on his development his his storyline um but like you said you know it includes everybody else as well not to be reductive of everyone else involved but yeah that they knew what they were going for i think mm-hmm, exactly yeah well you know like looking at at you know obviously you know, this, this somewhat of a, somewhat of a completed trilogy, you know, I would say for the Justice League story that, you know, Zach was telling or part one of that story, uh, you know, even though, uh, even though uh, the Snyder cut, you know, does end on, I don't exactly call it a cliffhanger, you know, because, you know, the, what you're seeing is a, is a future storyline coming, but at the same time, I feel like all of the storyline that they were telling of that film was, wrapped up suitably um you know so i feel like they're 
I feel like it was a it was a, a soft cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Know. Obviously, I think anybody who's a fan, myself included, would rather see everything wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way, like I, I'm just thankful we have this to begin with. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Because there, there's a there's an alternate universe out there somewhere where we, we just never get this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sure, where we are stuck with the 2017 version, you know, as, as the trilogy capper. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there's an alternate universe where that's the case, and those people are wildly unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's very true, because I was actually, you know... Um, in preparation for this podcast, I was kind of thinking, you know, over some of the aspects of the of the film, you know, and I was thinking like, oh, you know, definitely like, you know, if you cut the the nightmare sequence, you know, out, uh, you know, if you cut out, you know, uh, you know, dark side saying, you know, ready the armada, you know, and stuff, you know, yes, you do have a more, you know, kind of tied up with a bow, you know, storyline. But at the same time, I was like, I wouldn't like it as much, <laughs> you know, without without those elements. Yeah. And, no. and to me, like, I don't, I don't really understand. Like, even if you were going to say, let's say you're Warner Bros, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when Avengers teased Thanos, mm-hmm. they had no idea what that was end up was going to end up at. Like, mm-hmm. they knew they were pointing at Thanos and that eventually they'd get to that, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Right. So even if you decide, oh, hey, we're not working with Zack Snyder anymore. We think, you know, he's not right for this project or whatever. You could still use the direction it's pointed in. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I <laughs> yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. Like, that's why I don't fully understand why they don't want to view his version as canon, because, you know, because like you said, you know, you could. And, you know, in a few moments, we'll talk about a little bit of his planning for the original trilogy. But it's like. You know, you could throw all of that out, you know, and you could say we're still going to have Dark Side come and do like a Dark Side War, you know, storyline. Yeah. But like th- that doesn't even have to be Justice League too. You know, it's like you know oh, because it could be you, years down the road. Yeah, because I mean, he even says basically in the in the film, we're ready the Armada. We're using the old ways. You it's know, which basically, yeah, it's going to take a minute to get through the, all the star <laughs> systems, you know, um, you know, he's he, he can't use, you know, the ways that, you know, like Steppenwolf is using. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, this could be 10 years down the road. This could be five years, six years, you know, um, you know, they could do the Injustice League as Justice League Part Two if they wanted to. Um, yeah. And, and they know? they don't have to deliver on that promise for a long time either. Mm-hmm. They don't. And, and that's just it. Like, yes. What if you ask me ideally what what would what would you have happen, right? The ideal world would be Zack Snyder coming back to finish his story, mm-hmm. and having all the actors and actresses <laughs> that he intended to have. Is that going to happen? No, mm-hmm. sadly. <laughs> no, but it, it, even if it true. doesn't have to happen, you don't have to have that scenario to to accept Snyder's Justice League as canon. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to do exactly what he was going to do. You can just use what he laid down and and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> no, that it's that's very true because you know like, you know, 
um, you know, looking at, you know, uh, you know, ahead, like, you know, we don't know if Ben Affleck would come back, you know, possibly he may, he may not, who knows. He came back for the reshoots of the Snyder cut. He came back for the flash, you know, he might be willing to come back, but, but we don't know. And in all honesty, we probably won't know until we see the flash because we don't know if that movie is writing him out or not. Yeah, um, it sounds like, mm-hmm. I mean, and we know, we know the reshoots for justice league were a low commitment thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like it took him half a year to do it. No. Yeah. Um, and, it seems like the flash stuff also kind of a low commitment thing. Mm-hmm. Um, would Ben Affleck come to be a major character in mm-hmm. another justice league film? I don't know. Maybe you'd probably have to sweeten the deal pretty good. Cause, <laughs> cause he got burned pretty hard and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even blame him, you know, <laughs> I'd probably be kind of done with it and ready to move on myself, but no. Yeah. Like I, I don't blame him, you know, and stuff. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, you know, there was, there was a lot of rumors, you know, back in the day, like, Oh, you know, Matt Reeves, you know, pushed him out, you know, and stuff. And like, and I don't really necessarily believe that. Um, what I, what I, I do believe and what I think probably ended up happening was, you know, after Ben Affleck stepped aside from, you know, being director and producer, you know, it seemed like, you know, Warner Brothers basically was really pushing for a new direction with stuff. And I have a feeling that, you know, if anything, they were the ones who kind of, you know, gently let it let it be known they wouldn't mind if he stepped aside, you know, to let Reeves do his own thing, you know. Yeah. Plus, plus, we we have to remember, too, that um, even though Ben Affleck's Batman is viewed fairly positively right now, mm-hmm. when Batman v Superman came out. Mm-hmm. There were a ton of people that were just so upset that Batman was killing mm-hmm. and so upset. Like some people just hate Ben Affleck to begin with, <laughs> you know, and like it's, it's, it's a hard hill to overcome. And the way Batman v Superman was absolutely drugged through the mud in the media. And, you know, you have the sad Affleck meme, uh-huh. you know, like, <laughs> like, that takes a toll on a person, you know, and oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure he feels quite happy that you know years later with Zack Snyder's Justice League, people are going, well, you know what, Zach, you know Ben Affleck was pretty good as Batman. <laughs> what you know, I'm sure he's happy and all that. But mm-hmm. when you go through what what was gone through with both the theatrical cut of Justice League and Batman v Superman, I doubt you're like itching to get back in the cow mm-hmm. no exactly and especially you know because you know he and also i mean all the personal issues he was going through at the same time yeah you know and you know and you know he he's you know also he, he's an older dude you know he's uh what he's in like his late 40s you know um he, he was cast <laughs> as an older batman yeah mm-hmm. you know he was cast as an older older batman and to get into the kind of shape that he got into, that's not easy, you know, especially at that age. You it's know? not easy for a young person. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, we saw how hard Hugh Jackman had to work to get into shape for Logan, you know, and yeah. and he was the same age as, as Ben Affleck at that point. And so, you know, so definitely, you know, like, like you said, you know, you know, if he was very well received now, you know, with the Snyder Cut, everybody loves him. You know, and who knows when Flash comes out, he might be very well received as well. And, you know, he, he might be in the mood to, to come back. Who knows? But, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's 100 percent of a sure thing. You know, um, I, th- I think what you could get him to commit to mm-hmm. 
what you could maybe even get Zack Snyder to commit to is have Zack Snyder work with DC Animation mm-hmm. to complete part two and three as an, an animated feature. It's not as physically demanding because you're only providing voice and maybe mocap. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, mocap can be outsourced. <laughs> no, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you would need mocap for Ben Affleck's face, you know, but um, but the, the body could be just any old buff guy. <laughs> so, any stuntman could do the, the mocap for Batman. If you even needed to do mocap, because, you know, if you do DC animation, you may just have reference footage, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, like not all of those animate, like some of those animations clearly do use mocap and some of them don't, you know, uh, right, you know, but yeah, I, I think that's a low commitment thing for the actors that I think they would be more than happy to spend time offering their voices. Just look at um Marvel's What If, right? They managed to get, I mean, not everybody, but they managed to get a lot of people who have bit roles uh-huh. <laughs> to come back and voice their character for what if like mm-hmm. and part of that is it's low commitment mm-hmm. voice is easy i mean i'm not i'm not disparaging voice actors <laughs> you know <laughs> easier than having to be a superhero in a film like oh yeah mm-hmm. it's it's something that they can do it like ideally i would prefer a big live action continuation of what we've seen but if if we can get Zack Snyder and all the actors and actresses back on this project mm-hmm. for a couple animated films, I'm happy to take that as a compromise. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, and honestly, and, you know, and, uh, you know, this may not be a hugely popular, you know, viewpoint of mine, you know, in the in the Snyderverse community and stuff. But like, I, I honestly think that pushing you know to say like hey you know letting letting you know warner brothers and discovery know hey you know we would accept this you know i think it would be a very large possibility to get those animated films you know part two and three because you know we saw how well the snyder cut has sold over the last couple of weeks you know it's been number one and two solidly um, for months you know in the pre-orders and everything it's and once we get the final numbers we're going to see like it it made a lot of money and it sold a lot of things and you know, and if you took those numbers and you said, OK, well, what if those were for part two and three in animated form? They would make a fortune, you know, uh, on animated films if, if those same amounts were sold, those same numbers. Yeah. And, and we're, we're in a multimedia landscape mm-hmm. for for films right now. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is due to what COVID forced on us. But mm-hmm. um, I'm just thinking if you're. If you're Warner Bros. and you approach Zack Snyder and say, hey, why don't you finish out your story? We'll give you all the resources of DC Animation. Mm-hmm. We'll try and get everybody who, who you want for your cast back on board. And you just take the time, take this sum of cash, finish it. I bet. All right, so an animated continuation of it, is probably not going to satisfy the general audience. Mm-hmm. But you can put it on HBO Max. You can have a home video release mm-hmm. and limited theater showings. Mm-hmm. You know, you can limit it to New York, LA, you know, like hit the big cities. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it probably do pretty well. Oh, it definitely. Yeah. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm not asking for the moon here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, exactly. And like, I mean, you think, you know, that the so-called Snyderverse could honestly have a, a very rich life in animated form, because not only the Justice League two and three, but you could do an animated Deathstroke movie, you know, with um, oh, his name is escaping me now. Um, the actor who played you know Deathstroke, um, you could do stuff with, you know, Lex Luthor or Jesse Eisenberg, you know. Yeah, um, and, you know. <laughs> and I know Jesse would come back. He seems oh. to have. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's quite funny, like how how he's been very much of like he loved the role. You know, he he was in an interview. He's like, oh, he's like he like looked at the camera and he was like, oh, he's like, if anybody has any connections out there, you know, he's like, I'll come back. You know. Yeah, uh, it, it, I mean, I know a lot of general audience people didn't. I love mm-hmm. pr- probably my favorite comic book movie villain of all time is his Lex Luthor. But what's funny is like all that negative press about him didn't seem to phase his enthusiasm at all. No, it almost seemed to hype him up almost. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I appreciate that. I, I think he would come back if asked regardless animated mm-hmm. in a, in another movie altogether. I, I bet you could get him back. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely agree. And, and especially, you know, because you know, when we when we look at Zach's original plans, you know, for Justice League two and three, um, you know, and for for those who are listening to, you know, his original plans, he outlined these before Batman versus Superman and kind of concurrently with it. Um, and these and Zach has gone on record of saying that these plans have changed, you know, that like if he were to come back and do a live action Justice League sequel, he said it would not be the story that he originally told because he said he had changed it. Um Sure, that's you that's know. what happens in the creative process. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and like you know, and and you know, honestly, you know, I I love I love Snyder, you know, and I I love what he's done with DC. You know, that being said, he had a few questionable choices, you know, in Justice League two and three. Um, you know, the the idea of like Batman and Lois being in a relationship was kind of weird, you know. Um, yeah, you, you don't know. need that aspect to sell what he was using mm-hmm. that for anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there was a, there was a few elements that I was kind of like, OK, yeah, you know, <laughs> you can maybe remove that here and there, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Clark and Lois's son being the new Batman in the future. You know, it's an interesting idea. You know, I don't know how people would feel about it, but it was it was still interesting. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things like, um, the, the whole concept spoiler alert for a, yeah. movie, that, for a movie that may never exist. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. The, um, the whole idea that this broken timeline was because Batman refused to sacrifice himself and the way to fix it is to go back to that moment to, to to ensure that he dies and Lois lives for the protection of Earth. Like learning, mm-hmm. learning that you know he has to die for the universe to have a chance, or the multiverse to have a chance. I should say, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is is a compelling arc. I mean, we really we know very little about it other than where it kind of terminates mm-hmm. and the little bit of the nightmare sequences we've seen in between, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but I would not mind seeing that story. 
No, yeah, the same here. You know, I, I found it very, very compelling. And it was very interesting and kind of seeing the tease of it within like the Snyder cut when uh, Superman's holding, holding, you know, Lois's body and, you know, Darkseid puts his hand on his shoulder. Um, you know, it's like a very, very dark and very intriguing scene, you know, that I would love to see play out. In the bat um, cave. In the bat in the bat cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know? wild it's, stuff. Yeah, it it is very much, and I, I know that there is a lot of people who who were, uh, you know, not a hundred percent sold on the idea that that Clark's uh, hold on or his his lifeline to humanity was through like Lois, but I think that was a very interesting idea for Snyder's universe. You know well, that he, you know, that he's not a hundred percent at that point necessarily the Boy Scout. You know that it, <laughs> you know that that he has other people tethering him. You know. Well. It goes back to a line from Man of Steel when Clark is having trouble with his senses just overwhelming him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Martha comes to see him at school and he says, you know, the world is too big, Mom. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, make it smaller. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to love all of humanity, which is difficult even for humans to do, <laughs> instead of doing that, he did make it smaller by loving Lois, mm-hmm. you know, she was the, the stand in basically. For right. Mm-hmm. Right. The innocence of humanity, the things he values and loves about humanity mm-hmm. are represented by Lois. Of course, that makes him uniquely vulnerable through Lois, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Lex Luthor used in Batman v Superman and what mm-hmm. dark side used mm-hmm. in, future justice (laughs) so i mean that's an interesting concept and you know i think it's a little more realistic than than you know superman just naturally being the most altruistic Mm -hmm. amazing person ever and i think his character is very and i mean character as in virtue Mm -hmm. (laughs) is is very good in the snyder verse you know but I understand the concept of, you know, the world being too big, mm-hmm. you have to make it small. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes things a bit compelling. No, I, I agree. I think that that was a very, very compelling uh, sequence within like Man of Steel. And and I think it's interesting that, you know, because, you know, Snyder loves to do parallels, you know, between like previous movies and, and the ones that he was doing in the future ones. And and I have a feeling more than likely that he probably would have paralleled, you know, that scene where, you know, in Man of Steel where Clark is kind of losing control, you know, and his mom, you know, is the one who calms him down, that more than likely we probably would have seen that it would have been like a dark version of that scene in the Bat Cave. And instead of, you know, his altruistic, you know, good mother, you know, doing it, it was dark side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it seems to me that Snyder was drawing a lot from the Injustice comics mm-hmm. with with regard to the nightmare scenario. Obviously not completely because spoilers for Injustice, which, mm-hmm. by the way, if you haven't read, you should. <laughs> it's an excellent <laughs> it, series. <laughs> it really is. And in that case, though, Superman turned, I won't say all on his own. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a dark side with the anti-life equation Mm -hmm. manipulating him. It was a scenario where Joker laced some kryptonite with Scarecrow's fear toxin. Mm -hmm. And Superman ended up tripping on that Mm -hmm. 
and inadvertently killing Lois and his unborn child. Oh. <laughs> thinking that it was Doomsday. <laughs> because he's tripping on fear toxin. Mm-hmm. That's what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so when he comes to the realization of what he has done, he... It's Joker did it, by the way. So it's like jo- Joker did this to him. And Joker's excuse was, I was bored with dealing with Batman. <laughs> That's just a classic Joker. <laughs> so he wanted, he wanted to upgrade, go to, a, uh-huh. go to a newer nemesis. And uh-huh. Superman's response is to literally rip the heart out of Joker. <laughs> oh. And that broke him, you know? So... Oh, and I should note too that there was like a um, on Lois's body was a uh, a life support trigger for a nuclear bomb in Metropolis. So he also inadvertently nuked Metropolis. Oh. So everything in his world was crushed in an instant. So by his own hand, mm-hmm. and at that point he was like, "Ah, well, this has got to stop today." <laughs> 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 he wasn't like Batman. <laughs> yeah, um and and that's there was a a, a fantastic scene in there. I know this sounds all irrelevant, but there's a scene that I think could be adapted in a future Snyder continuation of Justice League that was kind of heartbreaking. And obviously Batman and Superman end up at odds with Superman slowly growing more tyrannical. Mm-hmm. And uh, Superman's confronting Batman about what happened. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you were me, you would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Batman basically says, of course I would have. Mm-hmm. But you were supposed to be better than me. Mm-hmm. That's that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> No, that 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 really is because it is it is it is a perfect look at the duality of those characters, you know. Because that it even goes to um, you know, the quote from my uh, Batman Hush, um, you know, where he says how how you know he would never win in a fight against Superman, you know, and he lists all the reasons why, you know, yeah. and he says, but he said he said you know Clark's weak weakness is that he's essentially a good person and i'm not yeah (laughs) yeah it's like you know you know and and it's so so true but that would be a beautiful and like that heartbreaking scene to have in a future yeah future justice league you know and it would work perfectly with the universe that's been set up yep yep i mean man (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i would love to see this play out but you know it's i mean it could be we we talked about movies. We talked about animated, but it, you know it, it could also be an HBO Max series, mm-hmm. um, which I would be okay with as well. You know, if it was like a limited series with like two seasons. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I yeah I I think that that could work honestly really well having a series. Almost, you know, it almost might even work a little bit better almost than a film. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and the funny thing is, because Zack Snyder's Justice League is like four hours. Mm-hmm. And it's broken apart as if it's like, oh, hi, here's a limited Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so it's already sort of a precedent. You know, it's it's not because you can watch it in one sitting if you want. 
and enjoy it as a, a full feature length film in and of itself. Well, twice feature length, but still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Cause an interesting, interesting point uh, that you mentioned of, of, uh, of it being split, you know, into the chapters, you know, I think it was seven, seven chapters. I think it was, um, that yeah, it, that he actually intended uh, Snyder he intended it to be released in like TV form like he actually wanted it to be individual chapters released in episodic uh, form uh but the reason it ended up not not being done that way was uh it was all contract uh, issue um that they said that basically the contracts that they had for all of the actors um from going back all the way to when they did, you know, Justice League in 2017 and everything, it was a con, it, the union contracts were only for film. It wasn't for TV. And yeah. so they weren't able to release it in the episode form. And so they did kind of the next best thing, which was, you know, uh, putting it together, you know, within the film itself as chapters. Yeah. Big four hour film, but uh-huh. also, also bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, even though bite size is the wrong word, because I mean, yeah, they'd be shorter than like a standard TV show episode, but they're really meaty. <laughs> <laughs> they're really dense. Oh, very, very much so. I mean, just you know, just all of the, you know, just the. I think it's the, is it the first chapter. I think you know where like basically the Amazon island is slaughtered. You know, it's like oh, you know, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh. Yeah, 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 and then like um. What what I think we would end up seeing is a sort of twisted, lower numbers version of the Age of Heroes sequence, um, where it's an Age of New Heroes, you know, and and that could be quite interesting. I mean, th- thinking about it right now, you know, we have an Amazon, we have an Atlantean. We have a man, and uh, of course, at the end of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's not a Green Lantern, but we do have a Defender from the Stars. You know, like, like mm-hmm. it, we're we're slowly reassembling a new age of heroes. You know, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. which was basically the theme of of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a little bit the theatrical cut it was kind of the theme there but mm-hmm. no definitely yeah cuz you know he, you know somebody mentioned and it was very true about how his his trilogy um was definitely a uh lord of the rings mythical esque you know uh thing like you know i i enjoy you know the marvel films you know and stuff and even though i have a bit of a reputation of you know bad mouthing them and stuff i i do enjoy watching them uh, you know, and stuff, but it's like they do have a different feel. It's not, you know, they they don't have a mythic, almost like uh, you know, Greek myths feel to them. You know, where like that's what Snyder's did. You know, you felt like you were watching like a saga of gods and men. Yeah, and I th- I think part of that, um, is, and it's always been a bit of a criticism to, to DC, but I take it as a strength for this mythic idea is that um, our heroes in the DC universe all have a duality to them. There is a civilian life that is just a mask for their hero life. Um, 
and their hero personas are, if not deified, then at least elevated. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Marvel Universe, Iron Man and Tony Stark are always consistently, to the public, the same being. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Superman and Clark Kent are two different people to the public. They're the same person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at his heart, Superman is Clark Kent. Um, I think I, I think the reverse is true of Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, very true. Mm-hmm. But uh, but my point in saying that is there's a separation, you know, mm-hmm. like Batman is a terrifying icon to Gotham, whereas even even the the one hero in the MCU that until very recently, obviously has maintained a secret identity. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man mm-hmm. is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's yeah. approachable, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, whereas... People go up and take selfies with him. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Superman is a godlike figure. Mm-hmm. Batman is a terror in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman is an Amazon goddess. Mm-hmm. You know, like... They're different. They're very different in the way they approach these heroes because even though Arthur Curry is Aquaman to the world, it's just Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Arthur yeah, we, Curry is not there. No, you know we saw how the how the the, the people treated him. You know, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's uh, it's, it's funny because um I'll, I'll give credit to James Wan here. In Atlantis, it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you may be Aquaman to the surface, but you're just Arthur Curry here, man. <laughs> that was actually an interesting, like you said, a duality that he did that was that was very clever. You know, that he was he was he was basically kind of the low life you know, of, yeah, like of Atlantis, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're the bastard son of the <laughs> queen. You know, like, dude, you're making us look bad. <laughs> No, that's very that's very true. But no, you're you're absolutely right. Of you know the the duality of the different characters and how they're looked at by the public and everything is completely different. Um, you know, in in Marvel versus uh, versus DC, and and I think you know, like I said, you know, they may change that. You know, as things go on, you know, in the future, you know, with like some of the Shazam type movies and stuff. You sure. Know, but I think for the films that we do have this, you know, this five movie arc so far that does exist. Um, I think it works really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I I am a little more pessimistic about the DCEU going forward than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but I'll say this, I'm not opposed. Like I understand what Warner bros wants to do. I understand that there's a contingent of people that, that do want that. And that's fine. I'm not in any way saying don't do it. You know, that's fine. You're getting Shazam 2, you're getting Aquaman 2, you're getting um uh you're getting The Flash and all that's fine and it can 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 be built from the theatrical cut of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But please in some way let us have this finished. <laughs> No, and and, it, and the fact of the matter is, is especially because they claim they're embracing the multiverse, 
there's absolutely no reason that you can't have two different continualities. You know, like you said, you know, you know, I understand that there was a failure of communication with some of the with Snyder and the Warner Brothers administration that Warner Brothers clearly wanted and ever expanding MCU universe for DC. And, and Snyder wanted a finite terminating mm-hmm. endpoint. Exactly. He and had a very and, 90s look at it, you know. Yeah, you you can you can have both. Like mm-hmm. as evidenced by the fact that yeah, we're getting a Flash movie that's going to have Michael, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in it. Mm-hmm. And then we're going <laughs> to have at the same time we're going to have Matt Reeves having Robert Pattinson's Batman. <laughs> I'm fine. Bring it all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. You know, (laughs) like if you give me three different versions of Batman, I'm not going to be like, well, this is difficult to follow. It sucks. Three different Batman. I'm going to be like, awesome. We have three Batmans. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we can have three different styles, different, you know, different tones. You know, it's awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't bother me at all. Like, and I understand that there are some people for which that would be confusing. And that's why, like, the olive branch of an animated or a TV series finale Mm -hmm. to Zack Snyder's universe would be fine by me. Mm -hmm. Because I understand you don't want to put something out there and be like, well, these are canon to this part and these are canon to this part. And, you know, like, that's that's a bit more work than a lot of people just sitting in a theater seat want to do. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. I get it. Pursue your DCEU mainline thing. It doesn't bother me. Do something to finish this, though. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, just give, you know, some type of closure, especially because, you know, as we talked about, you know, it wouldn't take that much. Um, you know, it's Even like a comic series. I'll take it, it. No, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, I, I would take I would take a comic series. I would take a graphic <laughs> two graphic novels. I would take it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, is what I've said, too, is that, you know, you know, the the Snyder verse community and the Snyder fans, it's like, yes, I know that they are a minority when it comes to, you know, the casual going movie crowd. Um, you know, not everybody who goes and sees DC movies is saying, I want the Snyderverse back. I know that that is a more smaller group of people. Sure. Uh, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that those people are willing to put money on the table, you know, as we've seen with the with the physical media release of, of, uh, of Justice League. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I happen to personally know a few people who were either down on Snyder's vision or didn't didn't care for it at the time but they saw Zack Snyder's Justice League and was like oh, maybe I was a bit harsh mm-hmm. you know and I, I don't think there'll be a full like oh the public will come to embrace what Snyder was going for kind of deal but you know if you think it's just the people that loved Man of Steel Batman v Superman and Zack Snyder's Justice League maybe mm-hmm. maybe but there's there's opportunity for that audience to grow too Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw so many, even a lot of critics who were, oh, you know, I, I thought way too harsh on Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, you know, um, when they weren't necessarily harsh on other, you know, comic book films. And they saw, you know, uh, the Snyder Cut and they did an about face, you know, that they, they said, wow, this was a good movie. And and uh, there was even, you know, some of them who said, well, I kind of understand those other films a little bit better now, you know, seeing, seeing the conclusion. Yeah, and, and a lot of, um, I saw a lot of um, 
people who doubted that the Snyder Cut would be very different mm-hmm. or that uh, weren't really invested in it, a lot of those headlines ended up being like, oh, we owe Zack Snyder an apology. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very true, you know, um, that, you know, that I, I always had faith that I knew that it was going to be different. I had no idea it was going to be as different as it was. Um, no, you know, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I was always worried that the studio had already butchered it by the time Snyder had. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I was a little bit worried that the because. We have to remember at the time, because we, we think of Zack Snyder's Justice League as last year. Mm-hmm. And that's not when this was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. In the context of the time, Batman v Superman had just come out to very negative reception. And at the time, Warner Bros. was wanting changes. Mm -hmm. They did not want to be pouring money and resources into what would eventually, they at least thought, would bomb on them, you know? Mm -hmm. And to be fair to them at the time, you know, like, they didn't have a crystal ball. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um... And I I even, like, you know, and, you know, as much as I hate to... to, um to give any type of credit to Warner Brothers, I do understand some of their hesitancy because it's like, okay, Batman v Superman did have a 70% drop in its second weekend. And, you know, what started as a very promising global release ended up, you know, petering out before a billion when it should have hit a billion. So it's like, I definitely understand that there was, you know, that that mainline audiences didn't 100% get on board with it. So I do understand why some changes were ordered. Sure. And just because you happen to make a a profit, even even if it wasn't quite the profit you wanted, doesn't ensure, especially with a poorly received film, that the next one is going to be better at the box office. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a good example of that would be The Last Jedi to Solo. Mm-hmm. Like it. And I'm dispassionately saying I'm not taking a side here. I'm just saying there was a backlash to mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. And the way franchise filmmaking works is if you lose people on one film, you're going to lose people on the next. Mm -hmm. And The Last Jedi made a ton of money. It was the next Star Wars. The Force Awakens was pretty much universally praised and Mm well-received. Backlash built over that film over time, of course, but Mm -hmm. it hadn't quite set in yet. People were still enthusiastic about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. They go to see The Last Jedi. Everybody does. You know, it makes Mm -hmm. a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not as much as The Force Awakens because it hadn't been so many years before. Mm-hmm. But still, it made really good money. Mm-hmm. Lucasfilm made a judgment call, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Just because we made money on this one, we're looking at the reception. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily bode well for the next. Mm-hmm. I I understand why... Seeing the backlash to Batman v Superman, you would think, mm, if we keep going this way, it may not work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that 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 point of view, you know. Mm-hmm. But to be to be fair to Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman <laughs> comes out, and people realize that it's a better movie than they thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I always maintain that if the Ultimate Edition had come out in theaters, it would have been much, much better received. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's always a contingent that was always going to hate it. 
It was always going to be outspoken about it, and that's that's fine. But when you as a studio demand that things be cut for time, and then it's received poorly, I can understand you going, okay, was that us or was that them? We're just gonna we're just gonna err on the side of caution. Except that you then had proof that it was you that messed up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's true. It, it's the it's the epitome of the uh, of the meme, you know, <laughs> where where he shoots the guy and says, "Why would you know? Why would yeah. he do this? You know? <laughs> it's like, no. Why would Zack Snyder do this to yes. us? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. You know. No. And and even like you know, not to go you know uh, down the Star Wars, you know, too far down the Star Wars rabbit hole. The same thing almost happened with Rise of Skywalker. You know, like I've done a lot of video editing in my time, you know, and stuff. And when I was watching The Rise of Skywalker, I could tell there was a huge amount of content that was cut out of that. You know, it's like a t- that's that's <laughs> two films crammed into one film's runtime. Oh, yeah. Like I was I was making mental notes as I was as I was watching it. And like I would venture to say with my amateur video <laughs> editing, you know, uh, um, uh, experience that I would say there was probably a good 25 minutes of that film cut possibly even 30 you know yeah i i I think there are some decisions that prevent it from ever being a great film that Mm -hmm, being said Mm -hmm. that being said i am perfectly fine saying hey release the jj cut oh yeah Mm -hmm. like i want to see what he had there because you know Mm -hmm. it it, can it be worse maybe Mm -hmm. maybe (laughs) maybe um but i kind of doubt it i think it would i mean i don't I don't know, you know, I'm speaking out of ignorance here, but there's a chance it could go up a star rating in, in some people's eyes. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, some of the main I mean, obviously, you know, possibly some of the criticisms of bringing back the emperor, stuff like that, all of that's going to remain, you know, yeah. but a lot of the criticisms of like, oh, it, it, you know, it was so fast paced. None of the characters got development. There was no breathing room. All of that's going to be fixed, you know. Yeah, or at least could be, or at mm-hmm. least could be, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like you said, there's certain things that just you're not going to save in an edit. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, who knows? Maybe that 30 minutes was all action scenes and five more planets he went to. <laughs> so yeah. it's like... three more unnecessary MacGuffins. And... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. I, 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 I'm not a JJ hater, you no. know. So I, I tend to think that generally speaking he's a better director than the rise of skywalker shows you know i I agree and you know the fact of the matter is is that jj has said that he loves star wars he grew up with star wars i do not for one second believe that he went went into this with the intention of producing a subpar project you know um you know we we have seen you know with with basically, you know, uh, Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, that there was a huge amount of studio interference, you know, of being told what needed to be done and what parameters to meet, what ch- what boxes to check, you know, and stuff. And and he know, clearly had more freedom with the Force Awakens because there wasn't. <laughs> what was the expectation? I mean, <laughs> just just more Star Wars, you know, no. like. No, exactly. And an interesting point, I would actually recommend you looking this up. It's just a rumor right now, and no one 100% knows if this is real or not. But uh, before um, The Last Jedi came out, there was a leak that came out on uh, on Reddit, Imager, 
that was supposedly the treatment that J.J. wrote for episode eight um, that was supposed to be for the next director to follow. Um, the photos of it was on the red paper that they normally do it on and such. Um, yeah, to prevent copying and, and stuff. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And it's 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 wild. It's crazy. I don't know how good it would have been. It has a very J.J. flair to it, definitely. Um but the thing is, is that when I first read it, I said I kind of threw it out. And I said, I don't think this thing is real. I think it was, was a fan fiction, whatever. What was actually interesting, though, was I went back three months ago and I reread it. And there's actually a lot of elements from that treatment that seemingly made its way into later releases of Star Wars comics and uh, Rise of Skywalker. And so it makes me wonder if it actually was real because it had a Exegol-like planet um, that was the Sith homeworld. Um, it had uh, uh, Luke's hand, you know, being used, which was then uh, used on Exegol in a comic book later on. There's a few different elements like that that made their way into actual canon um, that kind of made me wonder if this maybe was his real treatment. Um, and if it was, man, there was a lot of changes made to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? And and to be fair, like <laughs> I I'm a pretty lonesome person when it comes to the Last Jedi because I didn't utterly hate it, nor did I uh, think it was the best thing since sliced bread. And you know, like that's a lonely camp to be in. <laughs> um, but w- one thing that I got to give Ryan Johnson credit for is the the man went for something mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> he no. went he went for it you can argue whether or not he he landed that punch mm-hmm. but if you look at this I, it's funny we're talking about star wars on <laughs> Zack Snyder's justice league mm-hmm. we're on a different trilogy but uh, uh to, to finish it out and, and, and i'll link it back too how about that i'll segue us back on topic uh the the interesting thing about it is there's like this whiplash interplay between two directors mm-hmm. and because the force awakens started things ryan johnson was able to flip the script and subvert things and it not completely contradict mm-hmm. the force awakens but when you reflip it it just becomes this back and forth mm-hmm. and that, that can feel a little dissonant and it's pivoting around the last Jedi, which I think will be good for it in the long run. I don't know that it'll ever be accepted as like a cult classic or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, when you look at the fact that the rise of Skywalker ends the trilogy and it's kind of like, the the people who like it like it <laughs> they're not like, they're, they're not in love with it you know mm-hmm. but the people that like the last jedi are in love with it you mm-hmm. know and everybody's just kind of in the middle on the force awakens so eventually i think the last jedi will win that discussion to what degree i don't know i say all that to say this to tie back in with Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy, you have none of that because it's all one vision. Mm-hmm. So, granted, I do think that the Martian Manhunter problem <laughs> presents <laughs> some questions for Man of Steel that we're kind of hand-waving, 
but it's not from multiple directors having conflicting visions. It's just, you know, I think the guy changed his mind and that's fine. It's his project. He can change his mind if he wants to. (laughs) Well, there, because definitely there are, you know, and, you know, and I've been, I've been a defender of Martian Manhunter, you know, in it and stuff, but I still will, will agree that there is some, you know, there is some problems with it. Not, not that they couldn't, explain it it's just mm-hmm. they, they haven't done that work yet mm-hmm. which exactly is, which is frustrating because right now our end point is a question mark uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no like i i do wish i have to admit that i i do wish that snyder would have maybe interjected some type of of line you know when when manhunter is meeting bruce at the end you know just some throwaway line or something about why he had you know oh i've been hiding because of x you know or something you know i thought i could do more as a human whatever i don't know like you know some type of throwaway line would have been helpful i think yeah Um, i I can't imagine batman looking at this guy not thinking anything other than where have you been yeah (laughs) uh no i i definitely i definitely agree you know um because you know well i can understand why he wouldn't have shown up in batman versus superman because of the you know it's such a almost like a real time happening in the third act. Yeah. It happens instantly, but he's got plenty of warning in man of steel. Oh yeah, he does. He has like, there's no (laughs) reason why he couldn't be, be helping out there, you know, Um, (laughs) you know, so that, that is one I I do definitely agree, but you know, I I do agree with you though, that I, I think one of the, one of the reasons why I think that, that the Zack Snyder's justice league trilogy of man of steel, BBS and justice league, I think it will age well. As time goes on, I think as more people discover it, uh, as as more people rewatch it, I, I think it's going to be more better appreciated as the time goes because of that singular vision that goes I, through it. You know? Yeah, I can imagine 10 years from now, some kid watching through this trilogy and going, please tell me this continued. Mm-hmm. And then us going, uh, <laughs> sorry, kid. Yeah, uh, oh. Have a seat. <laughs> no because because it's like so, you know sometimes and i know this this is kind of an altruistic view but like you know looking at it even from a studio point of view that sometimes i almost feel it is better to finish a vision of a quality project for posterity's sake you know because you look at you know nolan's dark knight trilogy you know that is a singular vision film it is a a clear-cut closed-ended story and, you know, there may be some problems here and there, some plot holes here and there. But overall, that trilogy is going to be remembered for, you know, for decades to come. I mean, in 40 years, people are still going to be watching that trilogy. Yeah, you know? I will say one thing that differentiates that from this is if you watch Batman Begins and didn't know there was a sequel, you could walk away satisfied from that film. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that continues. If you watched The Dark Knight and didn't know there was a sequel, you could walk away satisfied from that film. (laughs) If you watch The Dark Knight Rises, Mm -hmm. you know there's no sequel and you're Mm -hmm. still satisfied with that film. Mm -hmm. Here, though, that only works with Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You could walk away from Man of Steel going, okay, that was really awesome. Uh (laughs) Good, complete story. I love it. And then, you know, if you were to watch Batman v Superman, your next thought is, oh, I have to watch what's next. Mm-hmm. 
And when you watch Justice League, your thought will be, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it just doesn't. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Oh, I, I, I agree, you know, and, you know, it, it is, and that is going to be like, you know, let's say worse comes to worse. You know, the Snyderverse is not restored. They don't do any comic books. They don't do any, any, uh, any animated, nothing like that. You know, um, you know, I will still love this trilogy to pieces, you know, but I will always be frustrated, you know, when I rewatch, you know, Justice League and get to the end. Um, sure. And, you know, and because, you know, as I mentioned briefly before, you know, it's like, you know, Snyder, you know, he could have made the trilogy way more bookended by not having the nightmare sequence, you know, uh, you know, he could have filmed the Joker and Batman in a cell at Arkham instead, you know, and just ended it with Darkseid saying, I'm going to come at some point, Martian Manhunter saying we're all going to get together and it would have been much more bookended. But, you know, Snyder's sure. not that kind of director, you know, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. a he, he's a provocateur, you know, and he wants his vision out there. Yeah, and I think, sorry, it's it's almost 11 o'clock here. (laughs) I think also he just, um, (laughs) I can't imagine Zack Snyder getting to those end sequences with the prologue, with the epilogue and thinking, like, I know I would be thinking, you know, I could just cut this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can imagine him going, I could. Uh but I really want to make my sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's the that's that's the funny thing because a lot of people are like, Zach said he's done, you know, he's moved on. And I'm like, you know, if if they asked him back, he would come in a heartbeat because Zach Zach is a master of social media and marketing, you know, and he basically he he lit the fire that created this entire Snyder Cut movement by his images and his viral marketing. Yeah, and (laughs) it wouldn't shock me at all if he included it just so people would be like, "What we have to see what's next." (laughs) You know, uh, it worked uh, on me. mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know, same here. You know, (laughs) if if it was intentional, it worked on me. Now I can also imagine too a third scenario where he gets to the cutting room floor and thinks, "I could cut this. I'm probably not going to get to make my sequels." Mm But people do deserve to know where I was headed. So mm-hmm. I'll just leave this in, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, and overall, as bittersweet as it is, I will be grateful that he he left that in, you know. And, you know, and there's with and we honestly don't know what's going to happen with this with this merger that's happening. You know, they they have said that they want to give they said their number one priority is to give the fans what they want. Um, you know, and to repair the, the, they said they also want to repair the relationships with studios and filmmakers. So, you know, <laughs> tell so, that to Nolan. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Who just went to Universal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's, what, it's, what a big loss though. Goodness oh. gracious. You have to be scared that that happened. Oh, and, and it's like, honestly, it, it just shows the, the huge, huge, just, you know, uh, you know, a cluster and I won't finish the word there so that we don't get an explicit uh, <laughs> tag on here. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's like, how do you mess that up? Losing someone like Nolan as a studio. How do you not give the man everything he wants? He yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I would be begging the man, begging uh-huh. the man to stay. Uh-huh. He's a consistent box office reliability. Mm-hmm. He, he can produce things that not only get award season bait, but mm-hmm. also make money. 
Like, if you're a studio, you want Chris Nolan on your side, man. No, it's true. I mean, how many filmmakers can you really think about that are getting Oscar nominations and box office gold? I mean, it's like, okay, James Cameron. Uh, yeah, but James know? Cameron puts out one film every yeah. 20 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, exaggerating, but uh-huh. <laughs> you know that that that's the joke that um that uh you know uh James Cameron has released that he is making four more Avatar sequels and he has delayed it another four years. James Cameron, buddy, you, you don't have you got less years ahead of you than you do behind you, man. Yeah. Like, uh, it's true. Like you know, I I felt sorry for um. Oh, I can't. Uh, the actor, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, the actor who was the the villain uh, in the first Avatar. Um, oh, oh yeah. Um, um, uh, I can and, picture him perfectly. Yes, yeah, fantastic but, actor. You yeah. Know, um, uh, gosh, uh, it's gonna bother me. I'm gonna look it up. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Um, oh, I remember his character name, but I <laughs> can't remember the actor's name for the life. Oh, S- Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang, yes, that it's like you know, basically he has had to stay in in a basically he's had to stay ripped for like you know like twelve years basically for these sequels. You know, it's like how old uh, is he now? Like he's got he's he's got to be in his sixties now, late fifties or early sixties. You yeah. know, uh, it's like you know, and it's it's funny because he's gonna be. He said he's in all of the sequels. And Six, stuff, Sixty-nine you know? years. Oh, he's sixty nine. Dang, you know. All right. All right, let's let's see how old James Cameron is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, sixty seven. All right, sixty seven. Oh. Look, y'all, y'all are running out of runway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you got to, and especially because those Avatar films take a lot of time to make. So it's like you know, and he Clearly. has, to, yeah, <laughs> he has four sequels outlined. It's like, come on, man. You know, it's like I, I don't, you know, I mean, there, there is literally. <laughs> There's literally a good chance that I will have children by the time the third Avatar movie comes out. <laughs> like, you know? uh, there's, a, there's a good chance that, that your children will have children yeah. by the time the third Avatar comes uh, out. We're, like, we're going to take Grandpa Byron to go see Avatar 4. <laughs> Made by somebody who's not James Cameron. Yes. because uh, it, it, It'll be the, uh, the hologram of James Cameron. That he put all of his all of his memories into. <laughs> it's 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 James Cameron, but it's the scientist from iRobot. You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! And, and you sorry, know, what? my my uh, responses are limited. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is is that I I could honestly see like James Cameron wanting to do something like that if the technology existed. Oh, <laughs> you know? oh absolutely! Oh, and uh-huh. he would donate it to a Titanic museum. Yeah. <laughs> Oh That's my the gosh. Most James Cameron thing I've ever heard. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's hilarious, man. Well, you know, I, I definitely, um, you know, I think we've had a great conversation here and I think we've, uh, we've covered a lot of interesting points when it comes to the trilogy, both, both the, uh, the de facto trilogy, you know, that we have currently and the possible future trilogy or TV show or comics or, or uh, graphic novels, um, duology, or... duology, <laughs> whatever, whatever it ends up being, um, yeah. you know, and even like you said, even if it's even directed by Snyder or not, you know, you know, we could see the Warner Brothers merger. We could see them come in and say, we're doing Dark Side War and we're 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 bringing the, you know, uh, the uh, the brothers who did Endgame in, 
you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we could see all different types of stuff happen, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, overall, I think that, you know, you know, if this is the end, you know, with Snyder, I think that we have gotten a, a great trilogy from him. We've gotten something that's going to stand the test of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and as disappointing as it is, you know, I still will be be happy that at least we got, you know, his vision of Justice League, even if we even if we don't see anything else. But fingers crossed that with this merger, we will. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not beyond hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, slim, mm-hmm. but still there. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, yeah, there there is this one leaker. Uh, his name's uh, Mikey Sutton, and uh, he has a very good track record of of leaks with Marvel. Um, he actually was the one who said that um, uh, Haley Steinfeld was going to be cast as Kate Bishop in the um, Hawkeye series. And he said that like years ago before even before even anybody knew Kate Bishop was going to be in it or that there was going to be a Hawkeye series. He said it. So he has a pretty good track record with a lot of stuff. He claims that that the merger, the new bosses do want to make Justice League, too. He claims that. Who knows if it's true? You know, we can hope that he is correct, like he's been, you know, with his Marvel scoops. Sure. Um, you know, but um, yeah, is there is there anything you'd uh, you'd like to add? Uh, as far as this discussion, I think uh, we've we've gone we've gone a little over, uh-huh, much yeah. like much like James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, definitely. Well, uh, would you like uh, to uh, uh, go ahead and tell uh, our listeners, you know, where they can can find your work and uh, and what you've been up to? Yeah, mainly, look, uh, I have one major project going online. It is the Raw Quiz Show on YouTube. Uh, you could, you can, well, I mean, you can't see Byron there because Byron's a tricky fellow. But <laughs> uh, but in season three of the Raw Quiz Show, Byron was a combatant for the latter half of that. Um, the Raw Quiz Show is a game show for the 21st century. It is a, a quiz show where it's not just questions it's uh tasks and random categories and mayhem <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's very competitive um and competitive in the sense that uh our combatants because they're not contestants they are fighting each other directly are able to not just boost their own scores but damage each other and it carries over episode to episode. So it is serialized. It's random. It's chaos. It's humor. I'm, I've been a lot more formal here in this. Uh, but the Raw Quiz Show is a very, very bombastic, fun trivia show. Uh, the trivia show for the 21st century. I would love it if you would come watch an episode or two. Like and subscribe and share it. We'd love to have you. <laughs> well, and I can and I can add on to that that you know the Rock Quiz Show is a huge amount of fun to watch. It was a huge amount of fun to be a participant in. Um, it is truly unlike any game show I've ever seen um, or participated in, in before. Um, you know, you, <laughs> you, you you never know what is going to happen episode to episode, and that is what makes it so special and so entertaining to to watch or be a part of. So definitely definitely check check that out on uh, on YouTube. You you will not be disappointed. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's a heck of an endorsement, Byron. Thanks. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, <laughs> thanks, Ryan, for for coming on the program and uh, and chatting uh, with me about this topic. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, and definitely uh, hope you know you're you're always welcome to uh, to come back. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to visit again at some point. All right. Well, 
thank you all and uh you know be sure to uh to like uh, our facebook page um and also to share this episode of under the lens uh you know we're we're definitely trying to grow and uh we're trying to get a wider audience so um so tell your friends about it and also on social media let us know if there's a a movie or a topic that uh that you would like us to cover in a future episode so until then uh we will see you all later